This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap. It's Tuesday, it's the 10th of October, 2023. And today we're going to talk about the future of Lady A. You're listening to Double Tap, your (laughs) daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. What are you laughing at, Priest? I've told you before, I'm in charge of silly noises. <laughs> what are you doing that? Was that for Halloween? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, it is October. It's the month of horror. So it is. We, yes. thought we'd, uh, we thought we'd talk about uh, Lady A. Well, actually, David Ward, who's the host of the Echo Tips podcast... Very good. Got in touch with us with a couple of thoughts around Lady A and in particular the announcements at the Amazon event. Now, we covered this, of course, with Robin Christofferson here with this Lord Robin, Dr. Lord. Dr. Lord Robin, yes. Um, But there was a lot of things that apparently we missed out on, according (gasps) to David. So he wants to pick us up in those. We don't have Robin with us today, but I I think we'll manage. I I know. We'll we'll blame Robin. It was Robin's fault. Yeah, he he missed everything. Yeah, Yeah, you pick him up on it. Well done. Yeah, and he's not here to defend himself, so that suits (laughs) me. Fine. Uh, Yeah, so uh, listen, did you have a nice long weekend? Did you you give thanks? I did. I've got so much to be thankful for, Stephen Scott. This show, our listeners... um, this iPhone 15 Pro Max, by the way, I'm still loving it. So, yes, I did. I had a lovely meal, too, <laughs> even though it's not Thanksgiving in the UK. But, you know, I still celebrated. No, no, that's right. It's not a, it's not a thing in the UK. We don't give we don't thanks give for thanks. anything. <laughs> we have uh, Moaning Monday. Or is that, oh, that's right, terrible. Yes. <laughs> Moaning Monday. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we've got... Because, um, hang on, what date is this? This is the 10th. So today... Ah, yeah. Today and tomorrow is Amazon Prime Deals Day. Oh, hang on a minute. Ooh. Why am I sitting here? Why am I not buying things? Well, you say, I see, I used to get so, so excited by Amazon Prime Deals, but I don't know. Do, do you <sighs> buy into that they're not really a deal anymore? Oh, here we go. Old conspiracy uh, theory priest. I'm not, I don't, well, I'm just saying, I don't know. There's nothing there that really. Mm, I must have it anymore. I don't know, except for the um, Echo devices, funnily enough. They're usually, yeah. All right, okay, yeah, but aren't we all saturated with uh, smart speakers by now? Well, that actually brings us on rather neatly to our conversation today, because this is kind of what David wants to pick up on. So uh, let's just dive right into David's comments. David, of course, as I say, host of the Echo Tips podcast, he has uh, sent in two pieces of audio for us. Uh, that we are going to play in, and uh, we will respond to each in turn. So, David, over to you. Hello, you double tappers. This is David Ward from Across the Pond, just bringing some additional thoughts and comments to uh, y'all's discussion there, Sean and Stephen and Robin. And uh, like Robin, uh, the Amazon Echo event and the A-Lady is very much in my bailiwick. And so it's something uh, I talk about and research uh, uh, quite a bit. And so there was something from the event that made me kind of stop and pause and think about it. And I don't know if you guys discussed it or not, but maybe this is a point of discussion you guys can have that might affect the visually impaired. So 
One of the very unique things that was demonstrated and you guys commented on was this ability to chat back and forth with the A-Lady like a chat bot and have this really cool discussion back and forth. It was really kind of neat. And when he was doing it on stage, I was kind of like, well, how's that working? It's kind of like follow-up mode, which we used to have on the Echo where she would give a response and then she would wait a few number of seconds to see if you said anything else without even having to say her name and then she would respond. But the, the dialogue back and forth was kind of interesting. It was almost like, man, does he got like a remote control in his pocket or something? He's telling her, hey, I'm ready to go again. And I was like, that can't be the case. So later in the Amazon event presentation, uh, it kind of explains an aspect of how that was pulled off, how it might mean new hardware, and I think it might even affect the visually impaired. So just hear this little segment. Here it is. But there's far more to this. And I wanted to come to that, but first, as you saw, Dave did not say the wake word Alexa over and over again. And that's powered by a new conversational abilities where you just look at the screen and if you're enrolled in the visual identification, and you can invoke an interaction with Alexa, and on subsequent turns, you do not have to say Alexa over and over again. This is made possible by on-device visual processing and acoustic models working in concert, trying to determine whether you're addressing the device or someone else in the room. So I'll just pause it right there. So kind of interesting. Uh, so uh, very similar to that... Uh, uh, that visual processor that's on the new Echo Show that they mentioned. Well, earlier in the presentation, they mentioned how you could adjust the visual content, like make the clock bigger if you're farther across the room. And then later in the event, as Robin commented on, they had this new eye gaze accessibility tool for those that may have some sort of motor disability or dexterity disability, where they could use their eyes to control the interface. So, and that also too had an on processor component. So this is interesting. Uh, the eye gazing was a component and you looking at it and she knows that you're directing your question to her. So that's kind of interesting. So I wonder if that would uh, be befuddled, you know, many have vision impairments may not be able to look at the device or their eyes may, uh, uh, wander or, uh, or different types of things where they're, you know, we're totally blind. It's just not a functional way to do things. So I wonder if that would affect the interaction, but it also mentions there that acoustic models were part of it as well. So maybe me speaking at it for speaking off somewhere else, uh, may also uh, give it that trigger component to tell it that I'm directing the, the speech at it. Hopefully so. And not, and not being lopsided towards me visually making contact at it. So, yeah, it's just kind of interesting. Uh, it makes you wonder. And, and maybe it also means that maybe we need to have these newer echoes with this chip to maybe really uh, make that conversational mo uh, mechanism work appropriately. So anyway, love to hear your guys' feedback about that. And uh, anyhow, yeah, just what do you guys think about that? Hmm. So that's part hmm. one of uh, David's question to us today um i think we've missed something in this and it's funny because we kind of did pick up on it during the event because i was conscious that it seemed to me as if the presenter was walking towards the device and then walking away from the device and mentioning her name all over the place and it never responding and then being able to walk back over and, and speak directly to it and we did wonder about this for a couple of seconds but i don't think we, we delved into any further than that 
Well, we kind of did when we were talking about whether this would require new hardware, because we were talking about the the, the pop, the kids pop two, is it the two? Mm. Um, now, obviously, that is just a smart speaker, because what they were demonstrating the conversational let's talk feature on was the Echo Show 8, the new one. So that has a camera built in. Now, for other you know dots or studios or uh, the pops, uh, they do not have a camera built in. Mm. So we did actually talk about this, whether it, it would be available in older hardware or it would require that. But, um, yeah, that, that was something. And it, it's still a little bit too vague because, I mean, do you have to look at it at the start and then you don't have to use the wake word? But it did make it seem like, you know, because it was absolutely mentioned that we could be having a conversation and she will not pick up on that. It's only when you're actually addressing her that she picks up. That's where that clip comes from. So it is. it, it does make you feel like it's going to be camera-based, but obviously the joy of it is that you don't have to look at it and there's so many that don't have a camera built in. I think it will be an accessibility feature. It doesn't bother me. If I can still have the AI, but I've got to evoke it every time, that's absolutely fine. Using the wake word is absolutely easy anyway, right? Mm. So I would hope that that has been thought about and that it would be just a toggle on or off, you know, use the vision to invoke conversation, I hope. Yeah, because otherwise you're going to exclude so many people by doing that. And I, I kind of wonder, I suppose if the intention is to humanize this technology, then in a sighted world, you would look at whoever you're speaking to and yeah. in the future, whatever you're speaking to. So I wonder if that's maybe part of it. I wonder where that is where it comes from, the idea that you are having a conversation with something and therefore it's appropriate to look at that thing to have the conversation. And also that helps the device understand that you're addressing it versus someone else. When you turn around and you speak to your partner, you, you want to have a conversation. And they, they did refer to this, that you could have a conversation with the device, but then turn back and continue a conversation without the device picking up on it. So that I don't know how mm. challenging that would be in a, in an environment if you turned that feature off, that visual but, feature. But as David mentioned there, there's also it was mentioned about the audio processing as well. Mm. Now we we know with the the dots, the latest generation, well the fourth gen dots, you have that presence detection where it shoots out sonar, subsonic, special magic waves at you, and it knows if someone's there. Now I've heard about this technology before where it can be sort of tuned and it can almost you can gesture at these sort of devices so maybe that's something that's coming maybe mm -hmm. you know it can actually detect which way you're facing without a camera purely by using sonar I, at this point we have no idea but it is it, david is absolutely right to bring it up because it is a concern but i would hope that this would of course be thought about but hey Accessibility has been missed before, right? So who knows? Well, you know, Amazon at least have an accessibility team. So, you know, that will be yes. something that comes up. Uh, and, <laughs> yeah. you know, I think that is something that probably will be considered. Um, but, yeah, I think it's still good we raise the issue ahead of time. You know, let's get people thinking about this, that we cannot be in a situation where our demand is to look at devices. Because, yes, we might be able to look, we may be able to point our head towards it, but even then, you know, I know people who have real difficulty. I do too. I have a head tilt as well sometimes, especially with nystagmus. You tend to find if you, t you know, I must admit, I don't really bother too much with a null, po null point anymore because there's no point in it. 
There's no yes. point in my null point. Your uh, null point is pointless. <laughs> <laughs> it just, just doesn't really do anything anymore. Yeah, but there's other disabilities where someone will, will be unable to do that anyway. Yeah, exactly. Right? And, yeah. and it, it sort of it, it sort of takes away from the whole ambient computing ethos that speak Amazon were going air. for. Yeah. You speak into the air. That's right. You, you shouldn't have to look at it. I mean, maybe down the line, maybe this is a case of looking down the roadmap for these devices. You know, I'm again, I always come back to the core Annie example. Is it a case that in some point in the future, we're, we're talking about uh, all these speakers are going to be basically displays and there's going to be some sort of face or AI representation on it, some yeah. sort of avatar. And we're going to, it's going to feel more natural to look at that for the mainstream. But I, yeah, I, again, I hope accessibility is being thought about. Well, you mentioned Colani, and funnily enough, that is uh, kind of getting into the second part of David's comment. Oh, good today. To very good today. You're, you're on it, I'll tell you. You've listened to this in <laughs> advance, I can tell. Uh, right, okay, so here is uh, David's second comment. Had a few thoughts and suggestions, or the, about, especially about this ongoing topic about fees connected potentially with the A-Lady in the future, either that being for the A-Lady in general, which I don't think is going to happen, but more likely for probably certain types of premium services. And one is, uh, we know these services are expensive, so it's just not like uh, this is a one-off. We know that Microsoft, Google, they're charging for their chatbots to be used in their suites. If you've logged into Call Annie lately, they have a new fee model. Sean, I think, talked about how he's paying for ChatGPT on his iPhone uh, to, to, to try that out. So there is a big processor burden connected with these AI models. And until those uh, NVIDIA chips or whatever types of chips, uh, Tensor chips from Google and the like, get down to individual devices where that load can be spread out or lo- be done locally, I think we're going to have a certain level of expense that we just can't expect expect Amazon and none of these other companies are willing to eat the cost either. They're, they're charging for this. And so, uh, and Amazon has been in probably the red for a long time with the echo. It'd probably be nice if they could break even or, you know, be in the black some. Now, one of the things I think that would make me maybe in particular willing to pay for it was something that was mentioned during the Amazon event that I don't feel like you guys touched on. If you did, I'm sorry, but it was kind of during the developer section was buried in there where it was mentioned about character AIs. In particular, 25 different characters. Now, I believe uh, third parties were going to be able to interact with those or develop their own. Uh, but the way it was presented is some of the characters were Socrates, Grace Hopper. And so you could have a discussion with Socrates about philosophy <laughs> or an argument, who knows? Or uh, you could talk to Grace Hopper about uh, computer science. And who knows who those other 25 characters could be? Maybe uh, people to help your kids with their homework or the like, uh, just a, a wide variety. And so that could potentially upsell me. And here's another thought, guys. What I've been thinking is what if Vespero, the maker of Jaws, Freedom, uh, Fusion, um, uh, uh, Zoom Text, what if they had their own support bots, right? That would be cool. It data mines all their user manuals, all their support forms, all their one-off weird troubleshooting guides, all right there, just chatting with a bot on your A-Lady. That would be super, super cool. Hymns, humanware could do something similar. Or we think about the big boys like Apple and Microsoft having a support bot that data mines all that stuff. That could be incredibly, incredibly powerful. 
And so those are the sort of things that make me think about, uh, along with the personas and the new voices that would be part of that, maybe calling on those by name, uh, kind of like Samuel L. Jackson we used to do in the past. Well, now we know why they phased all those out. These are the things of the future. So anywho, I'd love to hear your guys' feedback. Oh, one other thing. What if you had an AI bot that data mined your Kindle books, especially if you had reference works like Shelley Brisbane's iOS Access for All? What if you had a number of reference materials in there? and you had a bot that you could use to data mine that. That would be amazing and just ask questions and it pulls out the answers or the procedures to do something. Uh, what's the shortcut to do this? Uh, bam. What's the keyboard command? Bam. Uh, that would be pretty amazing. Anyway, love the show, guys. Keep up the good work. Thank you, David. I can hear your excitement in your voice and I love it. I love the enthusiasm for this and I have to say I share it because... This is exactly what AI can do for us, right? This is these are perfect examples. You know, how many times have we talked about the resource issue that we have as blind people? You search online for anything to do with Jaws, the first result is the movie. And you know, <laughs> yes. I just want to get to the information about how to get this particular <laughs> shortcut to do this thing on Jaws. And searching for that is really difficult. This is where search is not great. And it's funny, AI has kind of shone a light on how bad search is. That's yeah, a really I, I, interesting part of this, right? And it is something we didn't discuss at all. Um, and, of course, we saw the same sort of thing with the recent Meta event with their AI personalities. And you're absolutely right. By the way, I, I, I agree. I don't think, for general use, I don't think we're going to see a subscription. I can't see that happening at all. No. Um, I think it is absolutely these add-on services. And going back to Core Annie... Um, yeah, it was it was almost a bit, oh, this is really cool when it first came out because it was ahead of the game, right? But I did notice when I was looking through some of the characters, they, they have different personalities and they do have um, like a secretary, you know, one to organise your day and all that. Now, I don't pay for Court Annie, so I, I haven't really dug into it, so I don't know its extent of his capabilities. But I'm just using it as a, yeah, as a play thing, really, at the minute. You're using Colani as a plate. I just want you to think about that statement. As a plate, I mean, I'm just playing around with its capabilities. That even sounds worse. Stephen, stop it. What I'm saying is, once AI gets to a certain level, and I don't think it's going to be very far away at all, then actually having an AI, I don't want to say support worker, but almost the same, an AI personal assistant may not be out of the realms of, of possibility. And as, as David said there, you know, maybe a tutor for something, if you're learning something, hey, I want to I move on to grade two Braille. Yep. Let me load up the Braille AI teacher. That's, that's absolutely a possibility. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, especially when it comes to, I mean, a good example of this actually was back when the smart speakers came along. And remember the first ones with screens? I think Google showed this off on, on the one they had with the screen. And it was showing you how you could walk, th- it could walk you through a recipe. You're baking a cake. And what you don't really want is for it just to list everything you have to do, right? You want to step through that. You don't want to be just given all the information. So, you know, chuck the eggs and the milk and the flour. And I don't know how you bake cakes, but whatever you do, you throw everything into the, <laughs> the bowl, you stir it all up, and then somehow that turns into a goo. And then that goo becomes a nice, tasty cake. Um, it's like Gordon Ramsay's on with us. <laughs> but, you know, as, <laughs> I just do I want to know step by step, right? And you don't want to be going, stop and start, stop, stop, you know, and of course, 
the example was given because in that particular case, you haven't got your hands available to stop and start something, play pause, right? So you want to be able to action it with your voice, take me to the next step. This is exactly, again, how this kind of technology can evolve. You know, in, in any kind of situation, you know, especially if as you mentioned learning Braille, I'm sitting going through this fingerprint course. I've got one hand on the book, one hand on my Victor Reader stream with my play pause button. Uh, you know, just being able to talk though and just say, can we go back a step or remind me about this or... So what's that That's hand again, or what's that particular, yeah. you know, whatever it is, and it just being able to stay, no problem, let's take it back a step. How you many can see times this have, is going to be brilliant for education purposes. Uh, absolutely. How many times have you had to think about how you're going to phrase a search question? Mm -hmm. You know, because uh, I've got to phrase it in a certain way. I was playing with uh, ChatGPT, and honestly, it, it still blows my mind. Um, I was asking it about Braille, actually. What's the Braille alphabet and, you know, what's the, what's the Braille dots for A or something? And it actually said, um, it, it give a little bit of a description, but not much. And then it said, here's a picture. And then I simply said, I can't see the picture. And it said, oh, my apologies. Let me describe it in more detail. Wow. And you think, wow, that, that is really good. And going back to the recipes, I asked it how to make um, yeah, a, a, a nice spaghetti bolognese. So I said, because I made one the other day and it was absolutely disgusting. Um, and it gave me all the steps, uh, as, as you usually would. It gave me all the steps, but in a really nice conversational, informal way. Mm. But I was able to say one of the steps was mince the garlic. And I would say, people say, hang on, I don't know what you mean by mince the garlic. They said, okay, no problem. So get the garlic, cut it into bits, cut it in, and then uh, slice it even finely. Watch your fingers now, bend your fingers. It was just, it's just like having a conversation with uh, someone who knows their stuff. It's as simple as that. The key to AI is the conversation. It's that interaction. It's absolutely amazing. I think we're nearly there now, but where this could be in two or three years, absolutely, yeah. I want to go back to the episode where you said, oh, sitting having a conversation with AI, ooh, that's a bit terrible, and ooh, who would do that? And here's you, chatting away with it all day. There's a difference, Stephen Scott. I know you're being frivolous and flippant. I'm not. And something else. A little bit. No, no. That discussion <laughs> was about AI replacing human contact, as in to socialise and to mm -hmm. try and alleviate um, isolation. I'm still, I, I get nervous around that. AI still isn't a replacement for actual people. Give it 10 years. Give it five well, years. Give it a year. I don't know. I mean, these days, who knows? Everything moves so quickly. The um, mind boggles where this could go. Oh, goodness, absolutely. But I think, you know, with that example about, you know, freedom of scientific support, again, just consuming all this information that's out there already, it's not like anyone has to do any more work, really. I mean, it's, it's a case of just no. building the model out of the information you already have. It's and, like all the sci-fi films, right? Yeah. Where someone, I'm thinking of the film Finch on Apple TV. He's building a robot, and basically, as he's building it, he's cutting all these books into flatbed, basically like scanning them and feeding it, feeding it all these books for all the information. Yeah, I mean that's kind of where we're like now at a software level. That's what AI does. You just throw all this data at it, and it processes it. It's amazing. I, mean, I suppose one way you could do this today would be for someone to be able to create an app that you could just give it a URL of a website and say, that's the website I want you to go off and mine. And that's the website I really want to focus on. Because that, this is the other side of it, I think. 
this is why I quite like these character AIs, because then you're focusing in on the specific topic. So if, for example, it was Freedom Scientific, and I do ask a question about Jaws, I don't want it to be even getting close to confused with the movie. I want it to be focused on what I'm asking it, and I want it to understand that's the context I'm in. And it kind of does do that already, but it's still, obviously, it's getting a lot of information from across the web. So you're dealing with these general models at the moment, whereas we really want those focused ones. I think that is going to make a real difference. Sharky via AI. AI oh, shark. Much. Yeah. Going back to shark the AI. Amazon- I, 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 I'd get that eventually. Shark <laughs> AI. There you go. You can AI, have that, okay. Freedom Scientific. Uh, yes, I'm sure they will. There you go, Matt. You can have that. Now, um, what was I saying? Oh, going back to Amazon <laughs> and... <laughs> This is ridiculous. And they're at AI and being able to subscribe to something like a customer support bot. The trouble with that is that AI is going to be everywhere. Right now, if you go to, you know, it's absolutely everywhere trying to chat bot. You know, if you try and get customer support for anything, you good luck trying to find a telephone number, but they will send you to a kind of accessible, kind of not accessible chat window. Um, And in the future, that is all going to be AI. So those AI bots are going to be there. So I'm not sure if Amazon could actually make any money from that point of view. But um, yeah, that personality AI, that specialized AI, if you will, I think is going to be the thing. Okay, let's turn to our lovely listeners who've been in touch about this subject. Eleanor got in touch on this question about Amazon and potential fees. Hi, guys, it's Eleanor. On the prospect of Amazon charging for Lady A's new AI features. I wouldn't be thrilled, but I would pay a subscription if it means we take her into the future. For me, it would be well worth paying for the Let's Chat feature, as I would use it constantly. I am planning to try to get the preview when it becomes available in the UK. Bye for now. Thanks, Eleanor. And I think you're the first person that's actually said you would pay other than David, um, because a lot of people have said no. I mean, I put this up on Mastodon and on Twitter and I, I put this out. People were very quick to come back and say, nope, definitely not, not paying any more money, not interested. Um, in fact, the person outside my house beeping the horn every three seconds also clearly agrees. Uh, <laughs> What's going on? Delivery why, waiting. why do people do that? Why can't people just sit at peace? Yes, when the robots take over, it'll be much better. Um, <laughs> Eleanor, how you doing, Eleanor? It's a, it's, you're a really great example, actually. Of you know, you you use solely your smart speaker. That is your technology. So you're a great person to comment on this. You know, I would not pay for the Let's Talk feature, and I'll tell you why. Because that should be how it works anyway. That let's talk is how smart speakers, the echo should be in the future. That shouldn't be a separate sandbox. That, to me right now, it's a skill. So if they do bring it out in preview, um, I, I consider that to be a beta test. Um, and after that, that should be how it works anyway, how you interact with a smart speaker. I think the way they presented it as the let's talk um, feature right now, that seemed really strange to me. That should be just how it works. Yeah. No? I, I, yeah well, no? yeah, no, I, I agree. But I, I think the problem is that you're taking people from a free service, essentially, to a paid. 
you're going to have to work towards getting people. And it's like everything else, right? You get to a stage where the features that exist in the premium option become so attractive and so good that you really just have to pay for them. And, you know, what Amazon will do, because, of course, the size and the scale of Amazon is they're not going to charge the earth for this. But they do, I think they do need to charge. It's clear, going by what we've heard in the last couple of years, that, you know, these companies are putting a lot of money in. And and Amazon in particular doesn't seem to be taking a lot of money out for this. I mean, the devices, they pretty much give away. I mean, you look at the sales on today and tomorrow, you look at these prices of these devices and you think, how are they doing this? And maybe that was the mistake. Maybe they just maybe they just thought, let's get these in to every well, home first, and then we'll worry about everything else later. And now there are go- there's someone sitting going, hang on a minute, um, some accountant somewhere saying, hello, uh, do some money. <laughs> losing loads of money. Come, some money come in would be nice. <laughs> the same as social media, right? They're giving away this. That takes a load of server power. Mm. I mean, that's that's not free to host those billions of visits they get every day. Um, but they're making their money back through adverts. And it's the same. There's always a lost leader there for some reason because they're expecting to get that money back somewhere else. Yeah, I'm, not when expecting it comes to- I'm, not, I'm not suggesting they're sitting there, you know, eating cold soup every night. You know I mean? They're, <laughs> they're doing all right. You know I mean? The company's fine. But it just it, it, in order for these things to develop and continue, then we have to expect, you know, we're going to have yeah, to pay for it. It's not all just for us as the end consumer is what I'm saying. That AI is going to be the standard, right? So all the computing power, the cloud computing that Microsoft has got through Azure and um, the Amazon have got through AWS, all those cloud computing processing farms that they've got, that's all going to be powering AI in the not too distant future. All this old way of doing things is going to go away. So they are going to transfer over to that and it's going to help them probably more than the consumer. The the amount of data, the amount of ads, the amount of um, items they can ship and how quickly they can do it is all going to be beneficial or benefit from AI. So they're investing in that not just for, oh, it's a gift to the end user and the consumers will be cool with it. That's almost a byproduct. Mm. This is also great oh, for their own internal business. Well, what is it they say? If the product is free, you are the product. Is that what they say? Or the service yes, is free, yeah, you that, are the product, something like that? Or your details of the product. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Listen, CC got in touch about this whole Call Annie situation as well, in particular around payments. Let's hear what uh, CC has to say. Hey, folks, this is CC on the line from Montreal. I just checked in with Violet, the punk rock expert at Call Annie, and found that they're asking for an $11.99 monthly fee. It seems that uh, there are some different tiers. I didn't quite get it, but uh, they want a subscription. I don't know if that means that I will no longer use it or if the free access will be enough. Glad to say Mm -hmm. hello. Thanks, CC. Good to hear from you. Hope you're well. Um, Yeah, call Annie. Did you notice this as well, the, the fee... Thing. I, I know there's obviously more character eyes now, so they're obviously developing more inside Colani as well. But I'm just wondering, uh, have you you've not paid for that, have you? Of course not. That's why I said it's my play thing because I, yeah, I haven't paid for it. But I was looking again, looking at that your personal assistant one because I thought, you know what, that'd be quite cool because I know there was a feature where it could wake you up in the morning and almost like when you say to Lady A, you know, what, what's what's on my what's on the 
calendar for today or whatever. The briefing or whatever it is. And yeah. it'll give you a, your briefing, it'll tell you what's on, it'll tell you the weather. You know, this will do the same sort of thing. So I did look into that and I thought I went through the settings and gave it access to my calendar and things. But when I asked, you know, what's on my calendar, I, I can't do that or I don't know what. So it didn't work. Um, so I can totally understand them offering a service where actually there's a paid for subscription to it. Um, those characters are also, some are made by third party developers as far as I can make out. So if you want that extra feature, just what we've been talking about earlier, what mm. David brought up, you know, if you want that more extra functionality rather than just, hey, I'm just having a conversation with you, isn't this cool? If you want more than that, I can see that being a subscription service. CC, thank you for that. Eleanor, too, at more of your comments coming up. It's Double Tap. This is Double Tap from AMI-audio. Email us, feedback at doubletaponair.com. Call us, 877-803-4567. And find us on social media, on Twitter and Facebook, at Double Tap On Air. And now on Mastodon, at Double Tap. Okay, let's get back to the messages we've been getting. And Jordi got in touch. And as always, Laura reads our emails. Hi, all you Double Tappers. First, I love to listen to all the comments and look forward to any demos that are on the show. But one thing I would like anyone who does a demo is to please slow down any audio used. Uh Using voiceover or Siri speaking at a rate of knots may be the norm for you, but if something is spoken very fast, one loses the context of the demo and fails to follow what is being demonstrated. Now for the future, and hold on to your socks, or whatever you want to hold on to. In the future, I would like to see companies and app producers do away with the word access. No, not leave us without access to apps and tech, but companies should at the outset build into all their products access for all. This would bring down the price of goods and do away with add-ons. Specialised products would still have to be available, of course. Some items like Braille keyboards, third-party speech and magnification software would still be used. But if companies who produce these items were to team up with mainstream manufacturers and producers of web content and even go as far as working alongside app producers, we as disabled people would benefit and it would then become the norm to pick up a piece of kit and know that it was usable for everyone. Access means so many different things to different groups of people. Take, for instance, my local authority. I was once a member of the Transport Committee. The meaning of access in that group meant the timings of buses and how long a journey would take and not how many wheelchair spaces there were on a bus. That became very frustrating and many a time I tried to change their minds. Not a chance. Governments throughout the world should listen to disabled people and not decide what they think we need. AI should be controlled by us disabled folks. If that ever happened, the world might be a better place. But I and many of us who listen to this show will never see it. Regards, Geordie Frank. Um, yeah, I agree with you, Jordi, on all of that. I think this is something we, we actually touched on this last week. Um, I was saying about, you know, the, the car industry that's developing vehicles and when they've developed them now, it seems they just use the same model across the whole range, but they just a- adopt features. You know, obviously there's a few physical differences, I imagine, but, you know, mostly it's software inside and they can adjust that. You know, you can get, I think, heated seats was the one I saw a big uh, complaint about with BMW. You know, they were charging mm-hmm. extra if you wanted that functionality in your car, which is already there, right? They just have to enable it, and it was already there. So I totally get it. I um, I think that this is why Apple has been at the, the, the forefront for a long time. Whether it will continue to be, who knows, and, and what state it will be in, who knows. But Apple has been at the forefront of this in the sense of, putting accessibility in everything. It just is there. And 
I feel that was a little bit... I mean, first off, look, let's not deny that the reason accessibility at Apple came about was because the legalities around inaccessibility and, and the challenge that a lot of students were having getting access to textbooks was part of the reason why the NFB, the National Federation of the Blind in the States, got involved in a big way and pushed to get the products, in particular iTunes U at the time, mm -hmm. to get that, you know, be, make that more accessible. And I have a, I don't know this. I don't think anyone will ever really know. Lots of people claim to know, but I don't think anybody knows what really happened to Apple. But just going by what I've read about Steve Jobs, and of course it was just his, his anniversary of his death just recently, and, you know, it just reminded me of, you know, him and who he was and the kind of guy that he was. I get the impression he was the type who would just flippantly say, look, just put it in everything. Just get it across the board. Then we don't mm -hmm. have to deal with this. That's, yeah. that's honestly how I feel. No, coming from a good place or not, who knows? But the point is, I think that attitude he had, certainly that's the way people talk about him. I think that is what did it at Apple. And I kind of wish other companies would just see that and understand that and do the same thing. Because I think the biggest mistake companies make, or the biggest lack of understanding perhaps companies have, is that more and more of us will become disabled through our lives, either through age, more of us living longer, and also just with age, we, we, we become disabled. And we don't want to have to buy specialist tools. It's not the 70s anymore. You've got to get the special box for your particular disability. I just want us to use the same washing machine, the same air fryer, the same TV, the same computer, the same phone as everyone else. And there's no reason why I can't. If you put the accessibility in, then the only difference is learning how that particular accessibility feature works. It just becomes enabled. And that's it. Of course, I totally agree with you. But can you possibly say you can make uh, everything accessible to every disability? And if not, then who do you choose who gets priority? We're obviously looking at it from our little bubble of visual visual impairment, right? Being blind. Mm. So, hey, it's not too difficult to make buttons speak or whatever. Why isn't this throughout everywhere? Now, you throw another disability in there or a different disability where someone can't touch the screen, so it needs to be physical buttons or um, someone can't uh, speak, so they can, you know, can't be voice controlled. Once you go through the many, many different disabilities, then it becomes far more complicated and you're always going to be accused of missing out or ignoring someone. So, yeah, I, I, I'm with you, but I also see the incredible difficulties of saying, right, now this is accessible. Because can anything be really totally accessible to everyone? Can anything be 100% accessible? I don't know. Probably not is the truthful answer. But here's an absolute certainty. If you don't have people in your company who are disabled contributing and as part of the conversation, you will never get the answer to that. In fact, we'll never even get close to an answer. And that is the heart of the problem. You know, absolutely true. true advocacy, yeah. I've said this for years, we can advocate as much as we like, but true advocacy, real change comes from within workplaces. And it can be as simple as someone else sitting next to you in a workplace, seeing you use your screen reader to do your emails, do your work. And that person then seeing you as just an equivalent human being. That alone is huge. 
It is. And we sometimes Absolutely. forget, we, we get wrapped up. I mean, I, I, there's a lot of, sort of conferences happen around the world. All this great conversation that goes on. But to me, it's also closed in. It's also closed minded. Because what, what a lot of this is doing is it's having a conversation with people who get it. But the problem is the majority of people don't get it. And they don't even understand anything about disability. You know, I, I, I read endless stories about refusals about guide dogs, right? A guide dog oh. owner goes to a restaurant, they get mm-hmm. told they can't come in. Someone I saw went to a hospital and was refused entry by a security guard. Mm-hmm. Why? I mean, you know, it's ridiculous. But the fact is not everyone knows. And it's not, it's not that everyone can know everything all the time. We cannot start from that place, but you start by having people in those places who are disabled, who do come to work with a guide dog, who can have the conversation internally. That's how you begin. That's how good advocacy gets going. And and, yeah. and that's, that's not on disabled people to solve, by the way. That's on employers to actually bother to consider employing a disabled person, not to look and go... <gasps> Disabled, forget it. Can't bring them in. They'll cost too much money or there'll be too much hassle or they won't do any work. I totally, All of which is untrue. I, I, but I, I think that's totally true. That's what the view is. Yes. There's been so many interviews I went in when I left college and I just felt the atmosphere change as soon as I walked in. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I knew, you know what, this is going to go nowhere. But um, yeah, it's, it's incredibly different. But you're right. That, that That's where it starts. See, being seen as just people for, for one thing would be a great step. You're right. Uh, Greg got in touch. Uh, he's calling you fake news, Sean. So here oh. we go. Hey, Sean. The 43rd US state in the US is not Minnesota. It was Idaho. Minnesota oh. is the 32nd US state admitted. Greg, from the second state, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. <laughs> well, um, OK, I, I take that back. I think you're wrong. But uh, okay, <laughs> I have no idea. Have you had I a chat with Paul Annie again? Is she giving yes. you? Is she hallucinating? <laughs> I hallucinated on that, Greg. I, <laughs> I apologise. Yeah. Um, <sighs> now, Janine, uh, we—I think you referred to Janine as mother of the show. I think that's actually how you referred to Janine. I, I think that title could go to a number of people. I think Lena is actually uh, going forward with that title. I think Eleanor also Eleanor. could be mother of yes. the show. True. Um, so I think you know. I think we've got some competition for this title. Uh, that may have to be uh, a double we'll tap a competition. Yes, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Who will be anointed? Best auntie. Uh, yes. <laughs> Got to bring me tea and toast. That'd lovely, be lovely cousin. That's what my uh, yeah, yes. that's right. The double tap family <laughs> is being appointed. Uh, well, Janine has got in touch following this uh, anointing. Hi, double tap guys. Did I just hear that correctly from your September 28 podcast? I'm the mum of the show. Alrighty then. As your mum, then here's some advice. Stephen, it's time to clean Uh your room. I suggest a rummage sale online, maybe, so that all your international friends can buy up your slightly used tech. All that said, I do agree with Sean about Amazon folding the charges for using the Pringles can and hockey puck, as the smart speakers are known in my house, into our Prime accounts. Sort of makes sense. We mostly use ours for content consumption. Oh, and my personal spelling helper. Would I pay separately for a subscription? Mm. The way I spell? Yes. My husband loves the variety of internet radio and we both get way too far into Wikipedia. So, yeah, there's enough value. Now, cue all the blind people who will complain about another subscription. I say that sarcastically, but it's true that the smart speakers do provide a lot of access and value to people with disabilities, many of whom simply can't afford a monthly subscription. I get it. 
Janine, who is just glad you didn't call me the show's grandma. Hashtag clean your room. <laughs> well, I, I got away with that. You got done. I'm all right. You got to clean your room. I actually do need to clean my room. My cupboard door won't close <laughs> at the moment. Wow. That's not cleaning your room, just shoving everything in the cupboard. Yes, it is. That old trick. <laughs> That's the classic way. And then wedging some like wardrobe in front of it just to... <laughs> Avoid any accidents. At some point, I just feel this wardrobe is just going to explode into the room. Thanks, Mum. Yeah, thanks, Mum. Uh, yeah, I agree with everything you said, obviously. Uh, let's get another email from... Now, I had this conversation with you a while back about iPads, and I was... I think we both were ruminating. I think that's the right word. Yes. Uh, about the uh, usefulness of iPads for blind people. Well, here's someone who clearly clearly gets value. Hello. Mr. Cook will have to take my iPad out of my cold, dead hands. You ask, what does a blind person do with an iPad? Period. Stephen, as you said, because the screen on an iPhone is so small, things are folded into menus. My 12.9-inch iPad is not. I see what the app developer intended. My iPhone is my phone. I've used Magic Jack for years. The only downside in my Magic Jack app was that it used to hang up if you were on a phone call for two hours and eight minutes exactly. I don't think most people realised it because most people don't speak on the phone for two hours and eight minutes. My friends got used to it. The phone, not my speaking for two hours and eight minutes. I love to help other blind people figure out how to use their phone, but the menus thing confuses them and me too. Shh. Especially beginners. I can't imagine doing hand gestures on a postage stamp. I did have an iPhone once that was given to me by a friend. I could only afford one. And as Lucy says when asked what she wanted for Christmas... Real estate. Everybody holds their iPad horizontally because they only use it to watch movies. I hold mine vertically because it allows apps to work. Some apps need that extra space. Websites too. When I had little vision, I had to use the iPad for Avery.com as they required the extra real estate to perform properly. My vision has slowly decreased over the years and like you said yesterday, Stephen the Blob is coming to get me. Laura, whisper here. I see white blobs. I keep trying to tell my sighted friends that voiceover would do well for them too. They can listen to their movies or TV shows in the car without going off the road and meeting Apple's emergency satellite feature. I should be getting that Braille display from NLS any time now New York is getting the Zoom Max Braille display. Yay me! I just got a Logitech mechanical keyboard, full-size keyboard with keypad. Insert an application, keys, function, keys... They cut down on the space between the keys so it's not as high as regular size wireless keyboard. It is not light, but then it might not move around the desk or sofa, whatever you prefer. It was $179, but I do love a good mechanical keyboard. I type better on it, touch type I should say. I was having issues setting it up and I did have to laugh. I asked a sighted person to help and right after I entered the pairing number I didn't press enter because the keyboard didn't say so I guess I'm not a rebel, I'm a sheep. Bah! Sorry, Laura, I forgot to include you in my last email. You make my letters sound better than my words. Thank you so much. P.S. Hey, Jackie, I thought that was you sitting over there in the corner. Then again, you probably didn't notice the sheep in the other corner. Lol. Your letter was great. Merry heart. Oh, yeah, that's right. I love that email from Jackie. That's brilliant. Um, thank you, Mary. <laughs> There's a lot in there. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know where to start. Okay, real estate and how apps or the developers meant the apps to be mm. seen and used. Um, I suppose so. Look, there's nothing wrong with using it. Again, it's kind of like the Android iPhone thing, right? If you start with the the iPhone itself, then when you go over to an iPad, the column 
style of it can throw you a little bit. And I personally find it a little uncomfortable. Um, but if you're only using that, then it, it's absolutely fine. At the end of the day, they're both accessible. Well, I think for me, it's always been because I tried to use it with a keyboard. And I don't know if that's the problem. Maybe I should just use it by touch. Maybe that's the easier way. I mean, it certainly is. It's explored by touch is better in some ways. But, and the keyboard access is good on it. But I always found I was left wanting. And I thought, if I'm going to use a keyboard with something this size, I may as well just use the MacBook. But have you tried it since the you know, introduction of that full keyboard access option? Yeah, I don't think that's what people think it is. From my understanding, I mean, I tried it on the Mac, not on the Mac, sorry, on the, um, what was it, on the iPhone with a Bluetooth keyboard. And that didn't seem to work the way I thought it was going to work. It seems to have some kind of other functionality. I don't really know what that's all about. I think the intention is that you wouldn't therefore need the screen, the touch screen anyway. Um, but mm. it, it doesn't. It doesn't work with a lot of the gestures or the or the keyboard commands that I would have been used to. So I I, I don't know. I wasn't overly keen on it, and I turned it off almost as soon as I I was trying. I it. was desperately trying to remember now if that's actually in accessibility or just under general keyboards in settings. Yeah. Because maybe there's a uh, a case where actually it doesn't play very well with voiceover, and voiceover gives yeah. you all the full access for interacting anyway i don't know yeah we'll have to dig into that or if anyone knows feedback at double tear on air oh double tap on air.com and let us know if you're using touch or you're using a keyboard i'd be intrigued to know about that mary uh, and anyone else who's using an ipad uh let's go to michael for an email uh, all about things falling off tables hello sean and Stephen. i heard a recent episode of double tap where you revealed that neither of you had ever dropped your iphones that got me thinking of my own relationship with gravity of those times in restaurants when you hear dropped dishes smashing and experience that moment of perverse glee that the destruction wasn't your doing. <laughs> of that time when a nearly full stainless steel water bottle I knocked over fell off my seventh floor balcony table and rolled under the rail before I could even think of trying to grab it. Oh, There was time enough wow. to dread the consequences if it hit anybody who happened to be in the courtyard below. Time enough to wonder when I'd actually start breathing again. I was ever so relieved when it ended up miraculously landing in an open dumpster. While I've never broken an wow. iPhone due to a drop, I've had mine fall onto concrete and been eternally thankful that it was in a case. If you run your life on something and have paid a small fortune for it, getting a case is a no-brainer in my judgement. While I looked into which case I would get for the iPhone 15 to which I plan to upgrade, I came across the inevitable drop test videos on YouTube. Influencers cheerfully drop brand new iPhones from increasingly prodigious heights to see how good various cases actually are. I find myself wincing at the thought of all that unrealised potential smashing to pieces on concrete. The tests almost always go to the point of actual damage or complete destruction. Often there are slow motion replays of moments of impact. Even as I cringe at these events and deplore their waste, I find a perverse pleasure in hearing them. There's the age-old curiosity about hearing what happens when objects take fatal plunges. Also, there's the same satisfaction I've experienced sitting in restaurants when dishes take unexpected tumbles. Of knowing that this time, it wasn't me. In anticipation of a new iPhone to come, let's raise a frosted back glass to the force of gravity. From Michael Fear. <laughs> gravity is not my friend, I will tell you that much. Now, I didn't say I didn't drop my phone i don't i didn't smash my phone i've never smashed an iphone oh but i have dropped it plenty of times and that's why i'm glad about the case um in fact one occasion when i dropped it 
it bounced off the edge of something and I thought, oh, that's it, it's gone. And it was fine. Yep. So I guess the case saved it in that instance. But yeah, no, no, certainly dropped plenty, but never smashed. That's the that's the difference Actually, for me. If if I did say that, then I'm a liar because I do remember with my 4S, so we are going back a while. I remember being in a taxi and it was on my lap and I forgot it was on my lap and getting out of the car and it just flying somewhere. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's that skid across the uh, cement. You think, oh, dear. But no, I've never never really damaged the phone, I must say. No, I think we, we do take care of our stuff as best we can, right? I mean, it's so important that we do that we do drop it by accident. I think there's a lot of careless behaviour with phones from people who are sighted, let's be honest about it. I mean, if ever you hear about the, the phone down the toilet situation, you think, really? Really? Well, yes, that's true. I don't know. Shirt pockets have a lot to answer for, I will mm. say that. I've been close a couple of times of it just falling out of my pocket when I'm picking something up. So I, I don't like those drop tests myself, no, uh, Michael. I. I, 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 it just suits. And I'm not convinced they're there for any true reason of let's look at the durability i think it is purely for people to go oh why look at that that's terrible it's brand new it's it's almost the rubber necking aspect of it um yeah i I don't think they're that useful to be honest i mean you know okay fine you drop a phone it might smash i mean what didn't we know in that situation right i mean before before that test what were we unaware of that it would that it might break we didn't know that beforehand it's kind of like will it blend you know, if I yeah. throw this in a blender, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It will That's blend. right. Yeah, but they're, they're, see, the the outlier to that, and the the thing that, that that proves the exception to the rule is with the Ben Gate. With oh, I can't remember which one it was now. From oh, um, Jerry Rig, wasn't it? Therapy, Jerry wasn't it? And, and well, and the recent one is Jerry Rig, who bent the iPhone 15, and the back glass snapped. Oh, you very, know, very I, I find the simple answer to that is don't bend it. I mean, you know, that's one way around it. Yeah. Yeah, yes, that's right. Uh, that's, that is a surefire way to ensure your phone will not snap in half. If you don't bend it, that won't happen. Have you experienced any overheating problems? I know we've had the update already. I but haven't. No, but then, funnily enough, it was Uber and Instagram that seemed to be Instagram. causing the issues. And I don't use Uber that often. And I mean, I've got Uber on there, but I haven't opened it for a while. And Instagram, I don't go near. So... Yeah, that's mm. maybe solved the problem for me. I haven't noticed it at all. I am still loving this phone. I think it, I, I think the size of it is brilliant. I think I said this before, but it's like when they had the 13-inch and the 15-inch MacBook, and then they brought out the 14-inch, and it was like, that's the one. That's it. It's, You've got it. That, yeah, it's just right. It's, it's all just the right size. Yeah, yes. there, there's something about it, um, which, I, which I, I'm just really enjoying. It's snappy. It's responsive. I'm having no issues with it really at all. Um, loving no, Voice neither. 3, which I wish it actually had a name, but Voice 3, Siri Voice 3 from the UK. I really like that one. That's my voice. <laughs> That's your voice. It's my voice. I've got to say, I do feel slightly ridiculous with the, the Pro Max when I'm taking a call. I feel like there's a comedian over here at Trigger oh, Happy yes. TV where, yeah. he, where he goes out <laughs> with a huge fake mobile phone to his ear. That's exactly how I feel. Coming from a 12 Mini to a 15 Pro Max, it feels huge. Yeah, it is. Uh, but it's a wonderful phone, really is. And it just is. think about all those pictures you'll be able to take and not able to see. Oh, beautiful. You can send them to Be My Eyes and it will tell you they look good. There you go. That solves that problem. <laughs> uh, listen, that's it for us today. Thank you so much for joining us. Coming up this week, we're back tomorrow. Then Thursday, I'll be uh, coming to you live from Amsterdam. Oh, yeah.
yes. In the Netherlands. Yes, I'm going to travel off to Amsterdam and I'll be bringing the show from CES, the Consumer Electronics Show Unveiled. Big event ahead of CES in Las Vegas. We're going to be in there before anyone else learning about the tech coming up in 2024. We are the cutting edge on this show. You, sir, are amazing. Enjoy yourself. Also, we're doing Access Tech Live from there. That's where the budget came from. Uh, Catch you tomorrow. (laughs) Bye-bye. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts.